So 1 Corinthians 10, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. This is the background to the couple of verses that we're going to be um, looking at over the next several weeks. It says this, I, says, I don't want you to forget, my dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors and the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. And all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. It's talking about back in Exodus, right? In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them. And that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them. And their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us. So that we would not crave evil things as they did. Or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking. And they indulge in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did and then died from the snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did. And then they were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as, as examples for us. They were written down to warn us how to live in the end of the, end of the age. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So Jesus, we commit this time to you now. That you would just speak through your word. That you make it very clear to us um, what it is that you want for us through this, through this passage. God, I pray that you will open our hearts and open our minds. And God, we pray this all in your name. Amen. So we're starting this brand new series called A Way Out. And um, so here's kind of the backstory of why we're doing a series on temptation over the next several weeks is I hear stories from students all the time who are dealing with temptation. Um, no one is immune from, immune from temptation. I'm, I struggle with temptation. You struggle with temptation. We all have temptation in our lives. And most of these stories from the student's perspective seems like it's impossible to get out of. Like I can't get out of this temptation that is overwhelming me right now. But I want you to know that there's always a way out. And through the scripture that we just read, it talks about how there is a way out. So that's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. And we're going to discover that our God is a faithful God. And no matter what you're dealing with, it could be something big in your life or it could be something kind of small that you've never told anyone. It could be something that everyone knows about and it's just annoying you. But all, God always gives us a way out. And I would venture to say that everyone on, on one level or another has something in their lives that is consistently there that should not be there. And I don't know what it is for you. You know, we think of you know, alcohol and drugs is something that is a temptation for a lot of teenagers and young adults and even adults themselves. 
For, for someone else, it could be just a lie. Like you have this, this temptation to lie. Like you just, you don't know why it is that you, that you tell a lie, but you just have, you just tell this, these lies and you tell another lie to cover up this lie. And before long, you don't even know what truth is. You don't, you can't distinguish the truth from a lie. For others, there is maybe eating disorders or eating issues that you just eat and eat and eat and you overeat. For others, you have an addiction to you know, sweets. For some of you, it may be more of an eating disorder that you have in your life. There's others that have sexual addictions. There's some of you that are looking at things that you shouldn't be looking at. You're acting out on some of those things and you're moments away or you're moments away from acting out because you're visualizing things that you should never see. And as innocent as it is, as it seems, for some of you, it's your phones that you're addicted to, that you're tempted with, social media. You can't even have a conversation with someone without your phone in front of you. I don't know what it is for you, but I don't let God's word speak to this. And it's the passage that we just read, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 12. And this is what it says. It says, if you think that you're, that you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And here's the good news. This is God's character. He says, and God is faithful. Even when we are faithless, God is always faithful. How is he faithful? Here's one of the ways. He says, he would not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And what I hope you'll understand is that every time that there's a temptation, there's always a way out. Every single time that you're tempted to do something that will be harmful to you or harmful to others or to hurt the heart of God, there is always, there's always a way out. So here's a simple definition of what temptation is. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Think about that. Temptation is anything that promises to satisfy you, but it costs obedience to God. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction. Promises satisfaction. You're going to like this. You're going to feel good. This is going to make you feel good. This is going to make your life more meaningful. It promises satisfaction, but the cost is obedience to God. So tonight we're going to build this foundation for this series. And we're going to look at four truths about temptation. And these are things, honestly, that you've probably heard before. This is not anything new. This is not anything revelation. Like this is just simple things. Here's truth number one. It is not a sin to be tempted. It is not a sin to be tempted. Hebrews 4.15 says this. Says, this high priest of ours understands our weakness. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. In other words, Jesus was tempted just like we are. Yet, he never sinned with that temptation. For example, eating a donut is not a sin, right? Right? Eating a donut is not a sin. So if, if for you, you're learning to eat healthy and you feel convicted, I don't want to eat a donut in front of you, right? That would be a temptation for you. So if you so so you walk into the house and there's a dozen chocolate frosted donuts and you walk by and they're calling your name, eat me. 
eat me. I had chocolate on top. And you say, oh, I want one. I want to eat you. Like, I want one. And, and, you, you, and you, you look at it. You're tempted, right? But if you don't eat it, that's, that's as far as the temptation took you. You did not sin. You were tempted, but you did not sin. Now, if you pick it up and smell it, is that a sin? I'm not sure. Like, you're getting technical on me there. Um, if, you, if you lick the chocolate off of the top of it, maybe. I don't, I don't know. And that, that might be crossing the line. But listen, being tempted is not sin. All right? So you're driving down the road, ladies. And you see the guy jogging with no shirt on. Now, it could be Travis Grindle. It, it could be someone else. Or guys, you see the girl with the short shorts jogging. Now, if you just keep driving, this, this, you're good. But like, if you turn around, it's like, man, I got to make sure they get across the street, okay? You got to make sure that they're taken care of. If you get that second look, that may be where the line is crossed for you. Um, you probably went too far there. But what our spiritual enemy wants us to do is to make us feel guilty. I did wrong because when we feel guilty, what do we often do? We medicate our guilt with sin. I already feel bad, so I might as well just do this thing that I'm tempted to do because I'm, I'm, I already feel bad that I was tempted in this area. So it's not a sin to be tempted, okay? That's very important for us to remember because a lot of times we think, Oh, I was tempted today. I failed today. No, you didn't fail. We were tempted every single day. It's what you do with that temptation that we'll talk about here in a few minutes. Second thing is this. You're never above temptation. You're never above temptation. It doesn't matter who you are. um, You're not above temptation. So back to verse 12 that we looked at a few minutes ago. It says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. If you're kicking back going... Oh man, I'm so glad so-and-so is hearing this. I'm glad they're here tonight because they need to hear this right here. I don't, I don't really need this, but man, my friends need this tonight. You need to be careful because anytime you think that's not me, I'm above that, I would never do that. Understand this, our spiritual enemy will come at you in your weaknesses and he will also come at you in your strengths. In fact, so often there are people who think, I would never give in. I would never do that. I would never um, um, say that or, or, or do that. And those are the very people that fall the hardest and the fastest. I've had really good friends. Listen, I've had really good friends in student ministry that were student pastors that I did life with that failed morally because they did not set up guardrails and set up boundaries in their life. They were tempted and they fell because of that. They were not above temptation. And you're not above temptation. I'm not above temptation. So don't think that you're above it. Just because you don't like alcohol doesn't mean that you won't be tempted in that area at some point in your life. Just because you don't like that you don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend doesn't mean you won't be tempted in that area. Okay? So it's not saying to be tempted. You're never above temptation. Number three is this. You need to understand that God would never tempt you. God would never tempt. He will test you. 
but he will not tempt you. There's a difference. So why do you test someone? Why do you guys have tests in school? Let's throw out some answers. Let's talk about this. So, okay, what did you say, Ella? See what you learn, right? What else? To test your knowledge. So at the end of the semester, you guys are going to have a final exam, right? What will that exam do for you if you pass? It will promote you to the next grade, right? Hopefully, right? <laughs> um, so we test you to move you forward. God will test you, but he will never tempt you. God tests you to move you forward to help you grow. Listen, Satan tempts you to move you backwards so that you fall. God will test you to move you forward. Satan tempts you to move you backwards. And there's a big, big, big difference. God is not going to put a temptation in front of you, but God may test you. God may test you. So are you going to be obedient with this? Are you going to be faithful in this? This is a test, not a temptation. In fact, this is the way James says it. James says, and remember that when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone. So where does this temptation come from? It comes from our own desires. Look at verse 14. It says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drags us away. Now, I love that I'm reading from the um, New Living Translation translation, um, tonight. But the ESV, which what I normally read, says this. And I love this part, this version of it. Because it says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. And I've given this illustration before here. But I think it's okay if we do this again because it's, it's, I think it's a good, good illustration. So let's look at this, these words, lured and enticed by his own desires. That word lure, what does that mean? It means he, he gets my attention, right? Enticed means that he stirs my affection. Then when, when I enact the will, I take a step away from intimacy with God. Okay. Let's, let's give some examples of this. Girls, I'll talk to you for a, few minutes, for a few minutes. Let's say you're getting ready in the morning. And this thought comes across your mind. I'm single. And you go, that's right. I'm not married. And I don't have a boyfriend. I am single. And... As that thought just continually is on your mind, you have your AirPods in and you hear this song. This song comes on the radio. Oh, won't you stay with me? Cause you're all I need. All of a sudden, you're hearing the song about staying with me and you have nobody to stay with you. And you're like, oh, I'm alone. Oh, won't you Sorry. stay that with off. me? I'm alone, but I don't want to be alone. And as your affections start to get stirred and you start to drive the school, you notice couples are walking hand by hand and animals are going, to, are going two by two. I think it's in a loop. So we just it's going two by two. And then this song comes on. This next song comes on. And it's like. I love songs playing on the radio. People slow dancing everywhere I go. I'm a good slow dancer, but you never know. Everybody's, everybody's got somebody, somebody but me. And you're, 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 
Okay, I'm going to get off of that. Don't go to the next point. Yeah, I'm still on this point for a second. I just don't want the music to keep going. Um, and that's those thoughts are continually being solicited to the mind and your affections are stirred. It's that that moment that a proposition pops into your mind. It's like I'm single. I don't want to be single. And then that, that moment, you'll start dating a loser. You'll date someone that is below your expectations that you should date, a guy that is beneath you morally, a guy that you know is not interested in the, with, the, the, with the intimacy of God, and you'll begin this relationship because you thought it was something that you desperately needed. Some of you have been in way too many relationships, unhealthy relationships with guys that you should not be in. And for some of you, you just can't win in this dating game. And you say horrible things about yourself and you're writing your journal horrible things about yourself. And it all begins with that thought. That thought. And it, then that thought stirs the affections and it moves you into this terrible place. And the enemy understands that what you think about, you will care about and what you care about, you will chase. And the enemy wants to start with just a thought just a thought. That's where he begins. Almost every one of your temptations that you have, whether it's something big or something small, begins with a thought. The enemy puts a thought in your mind. He does it with me. He does it with you. For guys, don't worry, I didn't forget about you. A thought comes to your mind that you should think about naked things. And that's about it for you. That's it. I mean, the thought comes in, it's like, all right, we're good. We're, we're, we all struggle, guys. Don't worry, guys. We'll focus on you in a few weeks. Um, we all struggle with things, right? Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. And this is the illustration I was talking about that I use this, this lure, right? If you guys ever go fishing, what does the lure do? It attracts the fish, Right? So I have a frog up here. If you remember me using this illustration, this frog is in the water. And that fish is looking at this frog. It's like, oh, man, you look good. And what happens? That, that fish goes up. And when he enacts the will, he is caught. He is caught. And some of you are like, really? A frog? That's what does it for you? You're disgusting. Don't worry. The enemy has a different lure for you. It might be a shiny lure. You're like, ooh, shiny. And you'll go after that one. The enemy has a lure for each of us. But what he wants you to understand is he wants to get your attention. And then he wants to stir your affections so that you will enact the will. And when you enact the will, that is when you sin. But Tim, I'm a good person. Actually not. You're, you're not a good person. You're a sinful person. Like we're all born sinful. Do you know how I know this? Because I had three kids. And they were all born sinful. Like Salem when she was little. Then Josiah came along. Then Isaiah came along. Like I didn't, like we didn't have this, this class or this, this teaching moment in our house. Where it's like, all right, Salem, okay, here we go. 
<clears throat> All right, so we're going, we're going to teach you something tonight. Um, I have this toy that you want, so I'm going to give it to you, okay? And then I'm going to take it back from you, and you're going to scream and hit me and cry really loud when I do that. Like, I didn't teach her how to do that. She just learned this because she was born sinful. Like, you did the exact same thing when you were a kid. Some your brother or sister or some other kid came and tried to take a toy from you and you slapped him because you're born sinful. Like no one had to teach you how to sin. So we're all born with this sinful nature. So look at verse 15 before we keep going. Oh wait, that's where we were. Uh, 15 says this, it says these desires give birth to sinful actions. So it starts, with a, it starts with a desire, then it's born into a sinful action. Then watch this. When sin is allowed to grow, what does it give birth to? It gives birth to death. Now that sounds pretty dramatic, doesn't it? But you ask any married couple where someone let sin into the door or, or where sin, or that, that sin led them to, sin never makes life better. Sin always destroys it promises satisfaction, but it costs obedience to God. This is going to be fun. You're, this is going to help you. This is going to make me relax. This is going to make me feel better. This is going to make me feel more special. But it leads to death every single time. I love what Martin Luther, if you don't know who that is, this, he's kind of the, the father of the Great Reformation. Um, he said this. It says to be, a, to, to be a great theologian, you need three things. And I'll say it. This way, so we can translate it into our world. It says to be close to God, we need three things. You need prayer, meditation, and temptation. He says you need prayer, meditation, and temptation. What? To be close to God, you need prayer, that's talking to God. You need meditation, that's hearing from God. And you need temptation, learning to depend on God. Listen, every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. When you're tempted, God is faithful. He will always give you a way out. Every time you're tempted to do whatever is disobedient to God, that is an invitation for you to depend on Christ because in your own fleshly nature, you do not always have the ability to say no to temptation. But with Christ, but with Christ, You can resist that temptation. So, number one, it's not a sin to be tempted. Number two, you're never above temptation. Number three, our God will never tempt you. Number four, there's always a way out. There's always a way out. No matter what, no matter what you're facing, no matter what um, your sin is, there is always, always a way out. So, back to verse 13. It says, and God is faithful. He will not allow you the temptation to be more than you can stand When you're tempted, because we're all going to be tempted, because we're all tempted, we're all humans. When you're tempted, what would God do? He will show you a way out so that you can endure. He will give you a way out. So what is the escape plan? I don't know. But I'm here to tell you that God has a way for you to escape that temptation, whatever it is. It may be simply confessing it. Scripture says that whoever conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces their sin, they find mercy. 
So that's one reason why community groups is so important. And that's why we have community groups here. They're so powerful because we're not battling this sin alone. We're in a community with other people who are praying for each other. It may be just simply admitting it. You have, you have been prideful and denying that you have an issue. And you may simply need to admit the fact that you have these temptations in your life. Some of you, it may be therapy or counseling, which is not a bad thing. For some of you, it's going to be accountability. You need someone to kick your butt, to, who, who loves you enough to get in your face, say, you got to stop this. you got to find a way to, if it's at night and your phone is the issue, you may, to, you may need to take your phone out of your room because that's the temptation. Like it makes no sense for an alcoholic to, to have a, a, a glass of wine or a beer beside their bed at night. Like why would you do that? Get it out. Have someone who loves you enough to, to get in your face and to kick your butt and say, you gotta stop this. You got to put something in your life around you to stop this. There's always a way out. For some of you, it's, it's true repentance. Like I'm not talking about remorse. Remorse is, I'm sorry I got caught. But repentance is, God, I am sorry and I need, I need your help right now. I need your grace. So whatever it is for you, and we'll talk about this more in the next few weeks. There's always a way out. There's a way out. Our God is faithful. (laughs) And there's always a way out. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. If you fall, God will pick you up again and again. And he will give you a way out again. So here's what you need to hear. Christ is in you. Not you and you because you and you would get kicked but Christ is in you, who is in you, is stronger than that wrong desire in you. What is temptation? Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. That's why every temptation is an invitation for you to depend on Christ. Christ in you is more powerful than any wrong desire in you. Every time you're tempted, God is inviting you to trust in him who will set you free Because the good news is this, our God is faithful. Our God is faithful. And when you're tempted, he will always give you a way out. He will always give you a way out. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for um, just the example that you, Jesus, gave us. That when you were tempted, in all the same ways that we're tempted, you did not sin. And God, I pray for our students who are just submerged with temptation every single day of their lives. God, it's my prayer that they will seek you and that this temptation will be an invitation to trust in you and you alone. So God, as we go through this series over the next few weeks, God, I pray that you just open our eyes to the things in our lives that we're that we're tempted with so that we can just lay those at your feet and surrender those things to you. So God, open our eyes, search our heart, oh God, and know our thoughts. 
see if there's any wicked way in us and help us to follow you and lead us to the way that's everlasting. We pray this all in your name, Jesus.